that statement that we are we are a global church. You know, I mean, even going back to like the original vision that that we would be multi ethnic and multi generational. Um, <laughs> you, you you just have to get beyond you know, just having church in order to even think like that. Yes. You know, so I, that, that's something that's always been a part of, of his DNA, just a part of, you know, the way that he thinks and the way that he flows. And uh, you guys said that earlier, anyone that works alongside him, you just gotta be flexible and just yeah. kind of ready for whatever's coming next. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, and I am joined by three of my favorite people in the world. If my wife were here, it would be probably uh, my my four favorite people, and well, maybe six of my kids uh, as well. Um, so I will first introduce uh, my co-host, and then I'm going to, Aaron, let you introduce our special guest. So Aaron Magnuson, uh, my co-host for the Social Media Church Podcast. Aaron, welcome to today's podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited uh, to do this podcast. Nils, we've probably been sitting on this podcast for quite a bit of time. This is long overdue, but uh, it's kind of a perfect season. And this is episode 300. And so this is a special This is, special this is 300 right here? This is 300 right here. The, oh, this there's is, nobody this else that we would have rather had perfect. Yes. The yes. perfect crew to have on here. Uh, today, we are joined by the online pastors of Transformation Church. Yes, the Transformation Church that you are so curious to know everything about. Uh, we get to sit in with their online pastors. And Nils and I actually have the, the pleasure of working closely with this team um, and just helping them strategize digitally. And so we get to have plenty of these conversations and it is about time that we hit record on one of these conversations. And so uh, today, Nils and I are joined by Pastor Demario and Julia, aka Jules. The Tuckers, uh, they are joining us. Uh, welcome, guys. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. This um, is good. This is going to be fun. This really is. <laughs> it is going to be fun. I, so, so I met, I met uh, well, and I met both of you, but primarily hung out with DeMario about six months ago. And I had seen, uh, I had seen the, the transformation journey, you know, watching it a little bit. I actually, Demarion, I don't know if you know this, I emailed you probably a year and a half ago to invite you on this podcast, but I'm sure it got lost in your email. And I, cause I was just curious, I, I just cold emailed. I looked you up That's online epic. Um, and, uh, but, but I luckily wow. I, we, I, I weaseled my way in uh, to now, uh, to now get this conversation happening. Um, but this story, I think the deeper I have gone on the inside of Transformation Church is it just gets more and more beautiful. It is, it is God's fingerprint all over it. Um, and it is, it is a combination of Pastor Mike, you know, I think who, who, who is the face so much of Transformation Church. Uh, but I think it's the leadership around, I think the vision, uh, but, but also just the movement of God uh, that, that has happened. And so, you know, you guys are the first staff people of Transformation Church. Can you guys share just quickly the, the last maybe 10 year journey of, of Transformation Church and how it all began? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, man, man, big question. We could be here for the rest of the day talking about that, but um, <laughs> you know, I, just to you know, kind of go back. I, so I joined Transformation Church, which was actually Greenwood Christian Center back in 2007, which is right after I proposed to my wife. She was at Greenwood Christian Center. I was at another church and, you know, 
I just was like, okay, we're, this is where we're going to set up our state. And uh, so I, you know, I started attending. And, uh, you know, shortly after I became involved with our founding pastor, Bishop Gary, I became his, his, his armor bearer, basically his personal assistant, you know, for any uh, for his Sunday meetings or if he was out of town, that kind of thing. I just basically became his personal assistant. And um, I did that for eight years. Eight and, years. And, and how big was the church back then? So, okay, so we had a few, we kind of oscillated. So I think when I first got there, we were probably around 500 um, okay. And then we exploded to like 1,200. We okay. Service. Okay. Um, and then we had the unfortunate uh, happenings of a church split, and yep. our membership kind of went down to mm-hmm. and we might have been around 200 at the. At wow. The yeah. And, wow. Uh, so that was kind of a. I was definitely. Yeah. So you've been through it already. Yeah. 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 That was definitely. And Julia, Julia, how long were you there before the um, Mario? Man, so probably. 2003, maybe. And was that when the church started or or the church is older than that? uh, The church is older than that. So I came out here for college and um, I happened to find uh, Greenwood at the time, Transformation Church now, but I found that because I was looking for another church and we couldn't find that church on that Sunday. I was riding with some people from college and landed there. And I mean, they sold me at the time. uh, I loved what they were doing in youth ministry that the youth weren't the, weren't the back seat, you know? Yeah. And so they were yeah. very intentional with that. And that's really what sold me. Um, and so I'm not gonna say that was the only church I went in Tulsa. I think I've only been a part of two churches, two, maybe wow. two churches in Tulsa. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about, yeah, just kind of the, the ups and downs, you know, we came to that point where um, we were kind of just, we're surviving, you know? Um, but then, you know, Pastor Michael, he came in as, I think, as initially just as a sound guy. As a sound guy. So as a sound person. And if you look at it and just to say, like, our journey, we've had the opportunity to serve in a variety of places. Yes. Like, yes. I've done uh, a lot of creative things. So uh, what is it? Sound booth stuff and all of those things. Um, serving uh, Pastor Debbie at the time. Uh, yeah. A little bit of that. We've done groups. All of groups. Yeah. So we've been, it's funny to look at it now. Yeah. Like yeah. there probably isn't too many places where we haven't served. Um, right. Really probably the only place is somewhat HR, if air quotes on that, because we had to yeah. do some stuff on that from the ground yeah. floor. Um, but it's given us a new perspective to see um, I would say the mountaintops as well as the valleys, yeah. like the season that these referring back to, you know, there's that split and you've got to imagine what the founding pastor was going through at that time. You have P Mike who comes in and he's running at the time I'm on the worship team, but he's running, he's running sound. Mm-hmm. And then at some point he becomes basically the worship director, you know? And so then he's leading worship rehearsals and all of those different things. And then shortly after that, um, I say shortly after that, but he has a conversation with his parents and Bishop because his parents were leading a church that they were planning. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Pastor Mike would say it, like uh, God knew that the only way that he could get him serving into ministry was by having his parents lead a church. And I know he was helping them get their stuff together. And he had this epiphany and and felt God like, Hey, why don't we join, uh, join forces with transformation church? Well, yeah, he was their their young adult pastor. And so um, like Joel said, they had that epiphany. Why don't we, combined forces, you know, and so he became Greenwood, um, Greenwood's youth and young adult pastor. Right. Um, and wow. that was 
a ministry called SoFly. I mean, exploded. It was we like crazy. you. Yeah. If y'all know P. Mike, he likes acronyms, okay? Yes. And it was, it was honestly like everything that you see in P. Mike today, it was all of that. It was, yeah. it was, it was creative. It was music. It was wow. box. I mean, sermon titles that just caught your attention. I mean, it was just all of that um, kind of in its infancy. So, yeah. Um, Fast now we've we've seen we really quick D we've seen a lot of stuff come out about because because Pastor Mike did a great job of documenting or at least having some sort of videography of a lot of this early yeah. stuff but the one thing that can't be talked about from a third party or somebody outside no matter how much media they have uh, can only be talked about by people who are actually there for when this happened and what I'm curious about what was your both of your first impression very first impression when Pastor Mike rolled through that door as the sound engineer or who, whatever he was doing, what was your first impression of Pastor Mike? You know, Man. what's funny is like, <laughs> this sounds super awkward, but um, for me, it was, it was that I had seen his face before because he's got mm. like, a bunch of brothers. So around town, like, <laughs> I was like, man, he looks like, he looks like, I bet you they're a family, you know? <laughs> and so I, I hadn't known who he was or even the Todd's prior to them, um, prior to them coming through, to be honest, uh, we heard some stuff in reference to um, higher dimensions and a group that started. So for me in the, in, in the worship realm, it was like, all right, we're finally going to get some stability and maybe the sound is going to be great, yeah. you know, on a consistent <laughs> basis, you yeah. know? So yeah. For, for me, I would say my first real impression was nice, but cocky. Like, man, he's uh, got that edge to him. He's just, you know, uh, and so I, Mike, I mean, he's confident. Mike is going to walk into a room and fill it up. Um, but definitely, I think that first impression was like, okay, you know, he, he's, smell, he's was smelling. It, was it attractive or was it repulsive? Like, were, you saw it, but you were kind of like, man, but I, but I want to, like, I want to get in on that. Like, uh, or was it like, man, what is this guy think he's doing? Like, I, what, why is he here? You know, I'll say for me, um, after a few encounters with them, it was definitely attractive. Uh, the first thing I noticed about Pastor Mike was that he remembered my name from the first time that I ever told it to him. He is, and, and wow. we talked about that. I was like, Mike, you are good at remembering names. Like, I, I literally, you know, that's just one of the things that got put on my heart to do. That, like, when I meet someone, I remember their name. And so that was one of the things that stood out to me so much about him was that he's one of the only people that like knew my exact name from one time of me encountering him. So um, definitely it was like, okay, man, he's, he's an interesting guy. You know, yeah. I think there was, there was a, a, a gradual, um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Um, affinity. It's like, man, he's, I, I like to get to know him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For me, obviously, uh, fellow creative. And so there's a lot of things that we kind of think alike on uh, to an extent. And so, I mean, I remember and finding out just like from a production in like I was I went to his home studio yeah. um, where he was sharing it with roommates and it was like I gotta learn more because I was in my infancy of producing music mm -hmm. and so I was like yo anytime I can come over and just da 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 let's do it you know and so definitely on that end like it, I mean it was an easy attraction from that standpoint yeah yeah that's awesome. I love it. So, so the story. Deep. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, so, so, so Greenwood, you know, in that transition, how did, how did Pastor Mike move into that role? And what was yeah. the journey in those kind of first days of Transformation Church? Ooh. Yeah. So, um, so that journey, um, obviously the merger happens and um, between uh, his parents' church and Transformation Church. And during that season, there was a word that the name of the church would change. And so that actually happened prior to 
um, I want to say prior to him becoming the executive pastor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, there was a lot of conversation, obviously, with leadership and different things um, with him coming in um, and taking more of a, uh, I'm going to say, executive pastor role yeah. without the title. So, I mean, you know, Mike's going to come through, he's going to shake everything up. You yes. know, it's like, let me disrupt your world, disrupt it uh, and stuff. And I think what's cool is like Bishop allowed the space for him to develop and for him to grow, you know. And so uh, it ruffles feathers, you know, but anything, um, anything that's out of the norm will do that, you know. Yeah. And so I think after I don't remember how long, maybe six months or something like that. Yeah, I believe it was six months of him basically functioning as exec pack executive pastor that he then became the you know the, the executive actual pastor. executive pastor yeah. in title and function yeah and um and so i think we rocked with that for was it a, a year i'm not quite sure of how long but i think um i'm not fully sure of how long but in the midst of that bishop had a um a medical issue that popped up which then put P. Mike on the forefront of speaking every single Sunday. And it was something that was unexpected uh, on Bishop's end. And so I think that sped up the, yeah. the process of transition. Like, Yeah, well, yeah, because up through that point, he had basically been speaking to the youth right. at, on, on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Um, but that particular incident elevated him to speaking every Sunday morning for, you know, several weeks in a row. And um, it just began to, I, I think that it began to turn people's, um, um, I'm just trying to think. It, be, it began to give him uh, a voice that, and yeah. influence and a weight to his voice within our church. Yes. Yeah. And, and just, what was the response to that voice initially? Like what, what were some of those early messages? He's up there, very different. For those of you that follow the Transformation Church for any length of time, you've seen both of these pastors preach very different styles. They talk about it openly, which is so great. But what was the response to somebody like Pastor Mike getting, or was there enough familiarity in the youth that they kind of already knew what this guy was about? Or what, what was the response to the congregation? You know, it was, I mean, it was, it was rough. There was transitions. Like you got Bishop, Bishop was going to clock you at a cool 45, hit you with your three points in your scripture, you know? And so it was easier to take those notes. Yeah. And, you know, just for a reminder, like it was P Mike and his infancy. Like when it was so fly, my man could stand flat footed for two, three hours and teach. He'd be like, Oh my God, are we ever going home? <laughs> um, and so even on Sundays, like some of those takeover Sundays, like where so fly would take over a Sunday morning service, um, it was kind of that same thing. And so um, I think there were moments where it was, um, it was people were having to get adjusted to that, you know, yeah. um, get adjusted one to the length of time uh, because people knew, Hey, you're going to come here and you're going to be out by this time, you know? And I would say, uh, I feel like youth, it was almost um, from a youth standpoint prior to him speaking mainly on Sundays uh, the only time that you really felt their influence when, was when it was a takeover Sunday. And so I think there was a lot of things, even for P. Mike, that he learned and, um, and why there had been some other transitions later on in his leadership for that. And so, um, yeah, so it was, yeah. it was very interesting. It was adjustments for people. Um, I think it was definitely adjustment from, for him from a communication standpoint. Like, probably one of the songs that we did in offering uh, <laughs> was the 
if you if you uh what is it if you ain't a chip for giver then keep your stinky dollars yes and so yes. it's like everybody we see there yes. you know yeah. and so 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 you know it's gonna ruffle some feathers when you start doing new things you know lights and uh um yeah. foggers and all of that and noise it's like all oh, my allergies like there were so many different things um but obviously the vision yeah. of god prevailed you know so yep. yeah yeah that's awesome. So then he just kept going. And what was that? Then the one to kind of carry on with the, with the timeline, uh, when pastor Gary recovered, uh, what, what was kind of, did that start the transition? Did things just start going so well that it was kind of inevitable? Like that backup quarterback gets in right to Tom Brady mm-hmm. and Drew Bledsoe is kind of like out the door. Uh, yeah. what, what was that like as it continued down the, down the path? Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, with Bishop Gary coming off of that medical situation, um, you know, you still started to see Pastor Michael on stage, you know, even more to where it's like Bishop Gary does one, you know, uh, Pastor Michael does one. And you just started to see that shared responsibility where actually it was more Pastor Michael on stage than it was Bishop Gary. And so, um, you know, I think that at that time, people started kind of making assumptions about what was happening and, right. you know, speculating about what was going on. Um, but then following that following year at the top of the year, um, Bishop Gary had Pastor Michael lead our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and he basically prayed every single night. Um, just another way to just establish that voice. And then coming right. out of that um, was basically the official handoff of the church to Pastor Michael and Natalie as the lead pastors. Yeah. And if, if we back up just a little bit, babe, like yeah. um, one of the things I think after Bishop um, Bishop's incident or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, I believe that the story goes that he heard some things from God. And so he yeah. knew about the timing. Um, and then he also knew that it was time to, for, uh, for Mike to establish his voice in the church more. And so he was given more and more right. responsibility. Uh, one of the things that we weren't doing previously was sermon series, you know, and yeah. so that came into the main service, you know, and then um, uh, I think, some of the visual arts things that you would see or visual uh, things that you begin to see that became a part of it. Uh, and then yeah. it was, uh, I think Bishop had a longer plan of when the baton would be tossed. Um, but God had otherwise. And uh, with some other conversations and things like that, knew that February is going to be there. And I felt like it was the last quarter of that year before. Uh, and um, I think Bishop, not Bishop, uh, Mike came into Bishop and was like, all right, what's the vision for the next year? And he said, I don't have it. You're supposed to get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it's set up. Like it's set up a change. Wow. Like you're going to get fresh vision for God for what this church needs to look like, where it's going to go in this transition. Yeah. Uh, and so that 21 days of prayer and fasting where um, I don't think anybody else led during no, that time. And it was all of, it was all him in that first 21. And then it was the, the transition on February 1st. Um, that happened. So, yeah. yeah. And then here we are. Yeah. Uh, what, five? This is, it's only been five years. Five um, years from that moment. Transition, you know, and that's, I mean, that's. So, so what are, so what, so today, uh, there's so many things that I could define as to where things are today. People can see there's a million YouTube subscribers. There's, you know, I mean, you just yeah. bought a building. Literally, and, and not a literally building, a like, million. Like let's let's be clear. <laughs> you just bought it. Uh, and, and this is a, a five-year-old church, essentially. Uh, but what, what are some of the milestones between five years ago to where you are today? Because it just, it, did, it didn't just happen. 
you know, there was, there was a process of, of getting to where you are today. What, what were some of those milestones along the way? I'll say that it started off with a redefinition of culture. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Pastor Michael did an amazing job of laying the foundation of everything that we see today. He did that from day one. So literally yeah. that, uh, that Sunday when the baton was handed off, that was Vision Sunday. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so he literally started talking about what he felt like God was, was saying for Transformation Church. Um, he talked about the, uh, the multi-ethnic, the multi-site, um, you know, uh, the multi-generational. He, he talked about all of that stuff and laid it out. Yeah. Uh, we, we established the, the culture codes that would basically guide every decision that we made. That if, if it didn't line up with, you know, uh, being hot or fun, or, you know, the, the different culture codes, service, yeah. right, or service, um, like that we wouldn't do it. And so I think that that coming out of the gate was a huge um, establishment of, of where we are today. Yeah. So. No, I can, I completely... Um, I completely agree with what, what you said on there. And I think um, even in that, like there were some just really game changing moments uh, with Pastor Tim Ross, like mm-hmm. to think about how him and P Mike got connected, yeah. uh, which happened in SoFly days, you know, it was, he was younger in his leadership, but even that transition in having a voice like that with him, I think helped. Um, I remember, um, what was it? Uh, Tim Ross said something. This was, it was a, uh, this was in, I want to say this was our first year, mm-hmm. first year of ministry. And he talked about all the different illustrations and all of that. And I believe that this helped his communication. So um, we were doing what's called a strat op. Um, and I know a lot of churches end up doing that and that's to just kind of help build some lanes and get some process systems and all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh somebody had communicated just being overwhelmed with a lot of different things. And what was said was um, to Pete Mike was like, your voice is strong. Uh, you don't need all of the illustrations. And I believe that if you focus more on this, then, then there's going to be the opportunity for you to have the different illustrations. And so I believe that by the fact that he leaned into um, what our now oversight pastors stated at that time, it, helped his communication tremendously over the years. Not to say that it was bad before or anything like that, obviously, but it helped to say, hey, you don't need illustrations. Uh, If if you work on the communication and don't let the illustration be your crutch, let it be an addition or uh, like Jesus did, you know, parallel, uh, parable, excuse me, throw it alongside with what you're communicating to provide other perspectives. So I remember that being stated in the room and um, I think that Pastor Mike is submitted. He submitted first to God and to leadership. And yeah. we have seen that, um, I would say, from the infancy of him taking leadership as the, yeah. the lead pastor, for sure. Yeah, and I would, I would also throw in this radical obedience. Yeah. You know, I think that Pastor Michael did some things that even uh, against good counsel, you know, that um, he just felt like, well, I feel like God's saying this, and so I'm going to do this. One of those things was that we canceled midweek service, which was like, don't do that. You know, that was kind of unheard of. Like that was a Greenwood staple. We always had midweek service. And so he was willing to obey God um, and, and do things when, even when he got, we, when he got pushed back from good counsel. Right. Um, I, I say another big one was generosity. That was one thing that he said from the very beginning is like, we want to be a generous church. And so I remember that first year, yeah. Um, we took, I, I believe it was kind of like the holiday season. We said, hey, let's, let's raise some money 
to just give to people, to churches, to different causes. Um, and we'd always been a generous church, but yeah. that was, I think that was the first time that we were very, very intentional about, about that generosity. Yeah. <laughs> um, it started, it started before we started giving away houses, that's right. you know, and, yeah. and it was, that's right. I, I mean, we talked about this, what B1, all you have is all you need. And so it was like, you know what, we're going to do something different. Yes. Um, really just to go back before that, it was tithing. Like we're going to take the overall organization and type set aside 10% of our income, mm-hmm. regardless of where the bills are at, whatever we're struggling with, any of those different things. And we're going to set aside 10% to give to God. And yes. so that in turn kind of went to different outreaches or mm-hmm. opportunity. I, I don't know how small it was from at certain times. Like it was, here goes a movie giveaway on us or here goes popcorn. Like yeah. whatever we had, it might've been $10 and yeah. that's what would happen, you yeah. know? So yeah. I think that was a, those were, those were radical obedience, definitely a defining, uh, defining moments for where we're at today. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember one Sunday, I mean, it was, it was snowing and a lot of churches in town, they, um, they were like, oh no, we're not canceling. And Pastor Michael felt like God said to cancel church. Um, but I mean, as we know in church, like that's when the capital comes in, that's when the finances yes. come in. And so what does that mean for a church that is just trying to maintain? Right. Like that means, oh, that's a whole weekend that we miss. And so, but he felt like God said, cancel church for this weekend and prioritize safety over, over right. the crowd. And I remember he did it. And actually that was one of our, that was kind of one of the first big miracles that we saw like that, even though we canceled church, everything still came in. Yeah. It's like, wow, God, you really are um, a part of what we're doing. You really are watching over and leading us and all of this. Yeah. Um, obviously, another huge thing um, was his investment in um, just high definition cameras uh, to make yep. sure that our visual experience beyond yeah. the service was really good. And so, coming out, out of that first year, where we gave, I think we raised like eight thousand dollars to give away. Uh, we came out of that, and we had this thing that we did called Heart for the Kingdom. Yeah. And our first Heart for the Kingdom project was to. to uh, to basically raise $80,000 to purchase cameras, which was 10 times more than we raised the year before. <laughs> so we're like, oh God, this is such a big faith goal. Um, but I believe that, that that one decision set the trajectory, tra- trajectory of where we are now right. and the global influence that we're getting to experience yeah. right now. And, and if I could pull, like take that a little bit further out, outside of the camera, is really is the attention to excellence. Yes. Like, it's not just saying, okay, we're a church, so we can just throw any old thing up there. Um, But it really is like, hey, what we want to produce is at this level of excellence. And I know excellence is kind of one of those terms where it's very subjective to what you've been exposed to and all of those things. And I think that played out heavily in um, just the cameras, um, uh, the order of service, um, the execution of different things. Um, And so that's been, um, it's one of our culture codes. Like it was in there for a reason, you know? And so uh, you definitely saw that early on. And I think it was definitely pivotal because to put Christ in the middle of culture, you've got to operate out of excellence. You know, we, we, a few years ago killed the the term of mom and pop. Hey, there's some things that we're doing that are mom and pop and it's not going to flow for where God is calling us to go. Yeah. I, this this story that and I love that story specifically about the cameras and I and I've, I've heard it several times of uh, the the tension because every pastor knows that moment of getting pushback or feeling like that's too crazy and, and I and, and if if you're listening to this and, and if you're not a senior pastor or lead pastor 
I'd encourage you to get your lead pastor to listen to the last five minutes because those yep. milestones, I think what you just spoke, what you guys just spoke is at the core was the foundational because none of those things led to where you are today. They were all foundational decisions, foundational. You set the culture, you, you, you took the risk. You at, at the core though, it's being spirit led. And I, and I think you yes. listened and, 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 it, and Pastor Mike listened and he also listened and, and chose not to listen to certain voices too when he felt deep conviction. And yeah. so I think all of those things, I think too, the other thing is definition uh, of it was when, when you talk about how clearly Pastor Mike defined the culture and how clearly he defined, we're going to be multi-ethnic and we're going to be multi-site, um, that, that those things, that foundation uh, that set everything up is, is, is part of what led you to where you are today. And I think without any of those things, it wouldn't be where it is today. You know, I think all of those things put together and I think... Yeah. I think those are essentials for any any leader if they're going to see success. I think what people are looking for out of this conversation, I bet they're listening of like, what's the magic bullet? You know, what, right. what's the thing you did to go viral and it, and it worked? It was not one thing. It was a lot of things um, and, 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 and God at the core of, of listening yes. to this thing. So, okay, so you made some investments. So you had these milestones. Talk about... Um, what happened? You know, like where, where there, because there was a moment where, where things just like, it was just going and then it just exploded. So, so talk about the explosion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I want to say this because one thing that we didn't hit on, because culture is very, culture is very big. That first year, every sermon series was around, and it was creatively done, but it was around the culture code. So it, it almost spent mm -hmm. four weeks talking through culture, like relationship or whatever. And so when we got into, um, what was that? Maybe that's our third year or something like that, where, okay, we've gone to, um, at that time, were we at two services? Yeah, you agree. Mm -hmm. um, okay. After you so. So I remember at this time I'm overseeing um, our creative, um, our creative area and our weekend experience. So, um, and I've come off of my full-time job. So I'm doing all of the, you know, I'm, I'm in the church serving, volunteering, all of those things. <laughs> so anyway, there's, it's, it's so definitive. I've got a picture on my phone. I've, I've shared it a couple of times, but it was, um, we knew that some things needed to shift as far as uh, from our staff and in our culture. And so we had this time where we're preparing for staff advance um, and just trying to see, okay, what does this look like um, in the future, in the next year? What are we going to end up talking about in October? I think was when staff advance was at the time. So we're in a library, Pastor Mike, Tammy, Bree, uh, and myself. Dee was still working his full-time yeah. job. So he was kind of getting, uh, getting stuff back Second after the hand. fact. Yeah. <laughs> so we had spent a couple of days just locked in, um, planning and preparing because P. Mike was about to go on a sabbatical. And it was during that time, like from talking about finances to, um, in talking about doing another service and uh, I was like okay well uh, I think Bree said something like we got to come out with a strong sermon series you know and really uh, I don't even remember what the um, sermon series was for that year but one of the things that P. Mike felt like God was saying uh, will you put out another vessel for me to fill? And really us talking about going to two services was like, okay, God, we're going to put out another vessel. No, we're not at capacity. We don't technically yeah. need another service, but we're going to go ahead and put right. out this vessel for you to fill. And so um, 
we made the decision that it was going to be in August, right after he came back. And Bree was like, but we need a strong sermon series. And I, I think they had been talking about it. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, relationship goals, it ain't sexy enough. You know, everybody says that. And I mean, literally it just kind of left there was got to be relationship goals. And um, you fast forward. Uh, I think that was in June. Uh, uh, it was sometime in June before he left and we had that dialogue. And then uh, July, fun month, you guys already know, we've been doing it since the very, very beginning. It's just looked different over the years. Um, And then you come back August and we start relationship goals and we go to our two service plan and you start seeing people come. Um, And somewhere, I think it's like August, September, October, um, somewhere around that time frame, we were, preparing for preparing for Christmas. And I remember um, I went into P-Mike's office and he was like, yo, Jules, like 10,000 people just started following me. Like, I don't know what's going on, like in the last hour, <laughs> you know, uh, or whatever. I think it was around that time frame, but I remember saying that and I was like, okay, so we didn't know anything. <laughs> um, we get to, I think it was in December that we were starting to do another strat op with our staff. And so we're in there and we're making all of these different plans and everything. We cancel Christmas because there's so many different things going on. We hadn't fully experienced the growth. What we knew was there were more people coming to our church, right? And then by the time we got to December, it was like, okay, well, these numbers continue to increase from like 300 to 600 to, to 1200 and all of that. And then in December it's like, Hey, this is going to put a lot of stress on the team. If we continue on, uh, continue on this way. And Pastor Tim came in, he spoke some wisdom uh, to our team for our staff to understand um, just kind of like what we had been doing. Um, and it's funny because Pastor Mike that year when he was on sabbatical, it was the, the word of stride you know, versus striving. And it came all to a head in December of like, hey, he said stride. He didn't didn't fully get it and understand it. And it was like Mm -hmm. sold on it, but uh, came out of that time frame. And literally in January, I remember just seeing the increase of like people watching our YouTube videos. Um, and I think it was sometime in January we realized that a video went viral and every single weekend there were more and more people watching online and there were more and more people coming in the building. Again, I was over creative during that time. And I remember I sat in Bree's office and I said, yo, um, I feel like for Easter, we need a plan to have, have like five or six services. Now, previously we had done like four and I'm just thinking like, Mm -hmm. Easter for us, you're gonna have dance, you're gonna have rap, you're gonna have all these different things. And so I was like, we we need to be prepared because the numbers just continue to grow. Uh, And so it's like the whole team was like, oh, that's a a lot of numbers. And everything we did plan for in December, uh, or we're planning for is like, scratch that. God said something different, you know? And so that was kind of like, I don't know, the explosion point uh, that we started to feel. And then I believe, I can't remember what the number was for that Easter. We did, I think, five services between Saturday and Sunday and considered doing another one. But I mean, the wear on different bodies and dancing and all of that was crazy. But we saw so many people come, but so many lives transformed in numbers that it was like droves. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. God, what, what are you doing? 
So, yeah, yeah that was my quick version. So, <laughs> so, so Demario, if you could share your story with this, because one of the things that's fascinating to me is we, we talked about you guys being an online pastors duo. The reality yeah. is you just became full-time like two weeks ago in this role <laughs> in that like people look at transformation. They assume there's probably 20 people behind this machine. It's, it's been yeah. you part-time as your like side hustle, you know, uh, for, for the yeah. church. Talk about your journey into this role. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, um, you know, like, like Jules kind of had told in that story how, you know, once we kind of got to that place where we realized, okay, this is growing. We need to, Get, we need all of our people, you know, on bed. Um, you know, she, she came off of her job first. And then I think about two years later, I came off of my job uh, back in 2018. And, um, you know, I came off full time as the reach pastor, which I was overseeing prayer, outreach, pastoral care and online. Yeah. Um, and so like, like Nils, like you said, I was kind of like, like, this was, you know, one of the four. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just to see like how fast we're growing I mean, I came into it trying to figure out not how to grow, but how to steward all of this momentum that was already here. Yeah. And so we begin to do things like calls to action. We begin to, uh, you know, create a consistent hosting team where, you know, every time there was a live service or a live event, we had people chatting online and responding to questions and all of that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, I came in with the floodgates open. Yeah. Um, and so like literally this last two years has been a matter of me trying to, to maintain and to manage and to, to understand like, okay, what is happening? Like, how do, what do we do with this crowd? You know, yeah. we've got uh, our social media platforms, we've got our live services, mm -hmm. we've got all these different things that, that are kind of already happening simultaneously. So how do we come in now and begin to, to resource people? How do we connect with people and yeah. make them feel like they, they've been heard and that kind of thing. And so, you know, basically did that for the last two years. And just a few months ago, we officially became the online campus pastors, Jules and I did. And, uh, and so now we're, we're in the process of, of offloading the other parts that we were kind of working in and focusing exclusively on our online instance. And um, definitely excited just about where we're going to go. You know, where we've already come, really, right. I mean, in these last few months, um, but where, we, where we're about to go with the focus effort specifically on our online campus. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important just to mention, like, it was the growth demanded restructure for our organization. Yeah. yeah. And so when, um, even prior to D coming on as an organization, like, we've had 17 different, different uh, hats that we've been running in. And so um, I think when D came in, we realized that there were some lanes that we kind of needed to be able to somewhat air quotes, um, <laughs> air quotes and functioning in. And so this last time, um, COVID, you know, it demanded restructure, you know, uh, to see the influence and all of that. So we've yeah. had two key uh, defining moments that we experienced growth or felt the impact uh, that Transformation Church has, and it demanded for it demanded a restructure. And so, yeah. like Dee said, we've been offloading. Uh, I'm currently doing three roles at this time. <laughs> They're a little, bit, a little bit different, but it just it's sh it's shifted um, what needs the most attention. Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, and one of the and and uh, I'm always wanting to pull things out for people to learn. I, mean, I think one of them is you guys as leaders and and as you know, in many ways, you've sat in a lot of different support roles, but in significant leadership positions, 
is you are flexible, you know, and so you flexed when Easter was blowing up or Christmas was blowing up or you flexed when you had to wear seven hats, uh, which you continue to wear, you know, like, but, but you adapt and you adjust. And I think leaders and organizations have to be flexible if they're going to see success like this. The other thing is I heard it's strategic, you know, these strat up sessions is you're spirit led, but you're also strategic in planning and in organizing and adjusting when the spirit leads you in a different direction. Uh, but, but I think those are some of the keys here. Um, I, I would love, you know, as, as you look at where, where things are and, and, and uh, Pastor Mike recently shared so much on the Karen Newhoff podcast. So if anybody hadn't listened to that episode, I think that's such a, such a great episode. Um, Changed my life. Changed my life and outlook. Uh, just on, on that, I, you do need to listen. If, you, yeah. if you're listening right now, you've not listened to that. Go over to Carrie Newhouse podcast. Listen to that. I I was listening to that, thinking this is this is my generation. I'm, I'm 29. This is my generation's pastor. Like everybody would talk about, like Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley. This this is my pastor that is going to lead my generation through the understanding of how do you minister, pastor, evangelize, reach people for Jesus in this day and age. I was listening to that and I was like, this is this is unbelievable. I've never heard these things before, but it's speaking directly to all the things that I'm wrestling with as a pastor in this day and age. Like Mike Todd is solidifying himself through that podcast, through many other things, but for me yeah. through that podcast of just like, these, this is how you reach the lost, transform the lost uh, for Jesus. It's, you gotta listen to it. So, so, so something that I heard and I want to talk about where, where we're going, where, where Transformation Church goes from here. Um, but, but one of the things I heard Pastor Mike say recently that, that I've always dreamed of a pastor saying is that we are an online church first. Um, yeah. it, help, help explain that. Um, and what, is, what does that mean? And what does that mean for the future of Transformation Church? Yeah. Well, yeah. and maybe let me, pause, let me pause. The other thing that the factor that plays into this is you bought a 4,000 seat auditorium and then you all of a sudden couldn't meet in there like three months later. Um, and so, so that was part of where, so right now you're sitting in a, in a big empty building. Um, and, what I hear and, Nils, if they're online church first, what I hear is D and Jules are, are the next, the baton is being passed again uh, to the Tuckers. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but but it's obviously the 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 leadership is so key of of what you know it's an online church first and you guys have been there from the beginning yeah yeah well i think one thing just to understand about pastor michael is that he has always been um outwardly focused you know he's always been a paradigm shifter um and i think for him you know, even talking about this knows, you know, when you came on in October and we had our first conversation and Pastor Mike really began to unpack what he saw in the vision, it was like, ah, see, now like literally his vision has always been to go beyond the four walls, Yeah. you know, and, and, and it really like to transform and affect the world. And so I think that that really is the underbelly of uh, just this whole thought that, hey, we are, we're a global church. We have, we have our, our, our headquarters and our, our local instance here, but like we're broadcasting to the world and we're trying to change like actual culture, how people see God, the people's experience with God. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that that really has become just the, like I said, just the foundation of that statement that we are, we are a global church, you know, um, and even going back to like the original vision that, that we would be multi-ethnic and multi-generational. 
Um, <laughs> you, you, you just have to get beyond, you know, just having church in order to even think like that. Yes. You know, so I, I, that, that's something that's always been a part of, of his DNA, just a part of, you know, the way that he thinks and the way that he flows. And uh, you guys said it earlier, anyone that works alongside him, you just got to be flexible and just yeah. kind of ready for whatever's coming next. Yeah. And I'll say this. I think um, it's, it's key to mention this because he started this in the infancy, again, of his um, ministry. But the sabbatical was very key because that is the time where um, he gets fresh vision. Now, the way he saw things in the very beginning certain things look different now. So yeah. redefining, realigning, like, okay, God, what are you saying? The expression is here. And we talked to uh, our Nils, you said this in reference to like the strategy. And I think what I, I, was, I was thinking of is uh, we say the statement, inspect what you expect, you know? And really there's a stewardship responsibility that we have as leaders to inspect what we're expecting, but inspect what God is expecting of us. And so like the strat ops were important for us. The uh, story branding was important important to us. And that allowed us to yeah. see what is the expression that God is wanting to um, get out of Transformation Church. So, yeah. and, and it's important to say that because one of, the, one of the goals for this year was to launch our online campus. Well, that came out of a season where Pastor Mike took time away to rest and hear vision from God. Like, what are we supposed to do this year? And then for us, it's our responsibility yeah. to also hear from God. Like, what is that expression? dad that you're calling for us to do now i didn't know i was going to be a part of of that in in this way i knew it was going to be a part but not in this way but yeah. now it's an understanding like as a staff there's a responsibility that we have to steward that um and even to see the 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 numbers because attached to every number is a soul. Yeah. And so in, I think it was in January, as we were going over the numbers from the previous year, when we looked at our online audience, it was over, the average was already over 23,000, you know? And what's funny is that there was a goal being set for there to be, I think 22,000. It was like, well, we got to go back and see what that looks like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so where there's 4,000 or uh, 4,000 people that were coming to our, um, our campus here and it's nothing for it's, it was nothing for there to be 50 to a hundred first time visitors, yeah. you know? And so now it kind of, it shifted perspective uh, of who God is um, calling us to impact. It's not just, the ground, but there's a global audience that he's uh, called Transformation Church to to steward and to represent too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. You know, I would also say, you know, I think about um, you know one of Pastor Michael's um, mandates is that there's an apostolic call yeah. on him, and so there's a, a sending out. He's always felt that he's called to to go out to different cities, different nations, different countries, um, and so part of what that does is it it puts a lot of um, ownership of the vision on those that support and that are, right. are here running the, the local instance and making sure that operations are running. And so um, I, I think that, yeah, just that call for, for what God has said to him as far as being apostolic and, and really being a fire starter in other places also plays into, you know, that global, um, right. that, that global reach for our church. Yeah. For sure. So. It, it, and, and, and I think there are so many, there's so many things that define that global reach. And, and I appreciate you guys allowing Aaron and I to kind of be a part of the family and, and learn so much. I mean, some of the numbers that, um, that, that maybe that, that I, and I think we're still comprehending it, but probably while we were 
in this Zoom call, uh, there were probably about 10,000 people that watched a sermon um, on the on the YouTube channel. There were probably about a dozen people that accepted Christ while we've been on this call, uh, based on the, the data that we're seeing on a weekly basis. I mean, this is real, and this is happening globally all the time. And, and I think that's what's possible in, in, in Transformation Church is just leading the way. And, and one of the things that I love so much about you guys is in Transformation Church, we talk about being hot, like humble, open, transparent. And, 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 and you guys embody that better than anybody I've ever met in that you're taking the time, you know, to share uh, with these listeners, to share your story. Um, and not, I mean, I think people can see the humility of you guys are in no ways taking credit. I know enough to know that a lot of the credit is due you guys, but you're never going to, you're never going to claim that. And I think you're always even, and Pastor Mike's not going to claim that, you know, I think it's, it's God uh, claiming that, but I think it's stewardship of, of the movement of God that you guys have continued to do so well. And so I can't wait uh, to see what's ahead. I think, uh, I mean, I think there's no limit and I think uh, it's, we, who knows? where this all goes. Uh, but, but I appreciate the, what you're doing. And I think, uh, what you're modeling for, for so many other churches. So transparently, I I appreciate it. Any, as we wrap up, any final thoughts you guys want to share? Yeah. You know, even as you were saying that about stewardship Mills, you know, I thought, I think about one of the first, uh, lessons that pastor Michael told us that, uh, Tim Ross, his mentor gave him, and it was to hold the ministry with an open hand. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in those beginning years, like when people like first started and there was transition of people out and, you know, new people were coming in, but the transition of those, yeah. you know, leaders and people that have been pillars, it was tough. I mean, because these are people that he looked up to, people that have given him advice, like just all kinds of great things. And so, um, uh, but that advice that he received from Pastor Tim Ross to hold the ministry and to hold people with an open hand and don't. Don't try to, you know, don't, don't try to uh, control or anything like that. I think that that has been invaluable. And because he's been trusted to hold, you know, people with an open hand, and even if those people that left in the beginning have come back, you know, they've been welcomed back, not like, oh, <laughs> you left in, like, don't come back now. Like, there, there was, there's never been any of that. Like, Pastor, we, Pastor Michael has literally welcomed those that left in the beginning right back, yeah. you know, into places of, of leadership, places of servant. And so um, I would I would definitely leave that with any pastor that is, you know, kind of in the same spot. Like, just know that God's fighting for you and know that if you hold it with an open hand, God, he's able to to do the rest. And, you know, all, all, your your main job is to obey and uh, just yeah. to do what God is saying. That's so good. And, and just to piggyback off of that. Uh, for anybody who's a leader and they're not the senior leader, you've got to hold your title the same way. Yeah, uh, I, I believe that one of um, one of the things in the season that D and I are in is that we're graced for where we're at, even though we're playing a lot of hats. And it's asking yeah. God give me wisdom for how to steward this well. You know, I I have to abandon my own preferences and just be submitted to God. The heart posture is key. Um, And then for senior leaders, um, it's it's this thing. And I think uh, Pastor Mike has modeled this and he's he's learned uh, that he's had to kind of give things away. So uh, some key components, vision leaks. (laughs) And so I know people hear that, but you can't do enough of giving vision you know, to your people, to your volunteers, uh, to those leaders, uh, to your staff. And then it is a staff responsibility to steward that vision and make sure that that if I can get it at the most concentrated level, let me do everything I can not to dilute that when I give it away. Uh, And then also um, rest, 
like striding and resting and going at the pace of grace is so important for every leader, every senior leader and those that you are leading. Uh, I believe that those were game changers because God knows more about what is ahead than we could ever do. And I, I value the time that Pastor yeah. Michael spends away, you know, because it's coming back with fresh vision for our staff. It's saying, hey, have you taken your Sabbath? Because there are things it, it it requires us to say my dependence is on him and not on me. And so just rest is important. And then the other one is follow the cloud. Like it is, it's God's anyway. And so when God is leading, yeah. we want to follow where he's telling us to go. If, if he's not telling us to go to it and it looks good and it's not God, we'd rather not do it. We'd rather follow where God is leading us. And so yeah. that would be my, my tip is. Yeah. Such such good words uh, from the Tuckers. Just so thankful to have both of you on, D and Jules. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we will definitely have you guys on again in a little bit to, to get an update on, on where things are going. Uh, now that you guys have really taken the reins over the past couple weeks of the online campus at Transformation Church, uh, we're just so grateful. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Um, and just, just your example, the leadership nuggets you dropped on us. <laughs> hey well thank you guys for having us i mean obviously we meet every week and have amazing discussions but it was it was incredible just to be on the podcast today with you guys post covid we're you. gonna do a party or something i, I don't know on, new york. on the rooftops of new york or california <laughs> Come on. great place Come on. It. or both <laughs> or both just to make that or clear Hey, or maybe in one day we can be in Pacific time, Central time, and Eastern time. Uh, just kind of private jet around. I don't know. Uh, we got to find somebody with a private jet first. But uh, thank you all for listening today. We hope you're inspired uh, to just um, take your ministry to the next level, whatever that looks like, uh, and understand the importance of uh, digital ministry as well. Uh, so clearly articulated here from uh, Pastor Demario and Julia. Uh, and wherever you're listening right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button, write a review. Uh, if this has been helpful to you, we'd also love for you to share this around uh, with somebody who needs a little bit of encouragement. And uh, we will see you next time.